Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I am Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 51 of the North Meets South web podcast. Okay, so here's what I was amazed about. Last time when we were on the show, at the very end of our show, we made like a desperate plea. We said, hey, anybody who would be at all interested in donating to the cause of our hosting costs, we would love to hear from you. And I think the deal we said was, hey, anybody who's willing to make like a $500 donation will be like a sponsored, we'll have a sponsored portion of the show. What am I even trying to say? We'll we mention, will mention you, you on the we'll show. We'll mention you on every episode in the year of 2019. Yeah. And so <laughs> we actually had a pretty good response. So we've had a couple people who have donated and uh, a few others who have like sponsored the show for the next while. So, I mean, like at the end of it, we all, we decided what we have like hosting paid for for the next three years, I think, something like that. Yeah. I think yeah. two or three years. Yeah. People, I was blown away because I was too. You know, was- we threw it in at the end of the show just as, like literally a throwaway that it was it was almost jokingly that we were asking for this and people actually responded very generously. Yes, so we have, they did. Yeah. Um, it's, it's given us some ideas on what we can do in the future in terms of sponsorship, in terms of some goodies that hopefully both of us will be at Laracon US to, to give away to people and a few bits and pieces but we've had other conversations on the back of that now you and i in terms of maybe using patreon i mean we've had the donate link on our on north northmeetsouth.audio yeah. for quite some time yeah so if you want to just make like a once-off contribution you can do that there you know obviously we're not requiring anyone to do anything we'll sure. continue to make this podcast whether you donate money to us or not that's that's not what this is about but the option is there if you want to contribute in some small way um, and then we'll look at doing something exciting with patreon maybe in the next couple of weeks I, well i mean you know maybe for the new year we'll get that ready and sort it out yep oh i finally found the chat by the way <laughs> thing so we're do- we'll also uh because nobody can obviously see this whatever we are also doing a little uh chat thing or a live stream on google hangouts youtube live so i was like hey we can try this real quick you had to go fix your computer because it was buggered so yeah. we're trying that out buggered. so so there we go so anyway all right on with the show oh you know what we should probably mention these people so um we should joe lennon gave us a very generous donation as did andreas hubenthal um i should probably make sure i know how to say that correctly but yeah andreas is also watching that's right andreas is also the man responsible for the donation of these lovely airpods that i'm using right now so andreas has earned himself a nickname my favorite german because he is literally from germany and uh i will speak the little bit of german that i know which is guten abend which i believe is good day is it good day or good good abend is afternoon i think okay or evening yeah. No, Guten Nacht is good evening, Guten Abend is good afternoon, and Guten Tag is good day. There we go. That's it. Guten Tag, Guten Abend. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so I actually worked, I used to work at a place where they would bring in German glass blowers mm. uh, to blow glass ornaments, and uh, so that's where I learned all my German from. Not very much, but a little bit, just a touch. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, 
Um, okay, uh, that was Andreas Humethal, and then we also had a donation from JP Davey, uh, which was awesome. JP is a super solid guy. He's from Illinois here, actually. He came down for the last Laracon uh, online event. It was really cool to get to meet him. So thanks, JP. Appreciate that, man. And then we also had one other, which was Rasmus Nielsen. And so uh, Rasmus is going to be sponsoring the show for the next year, as is Joe Lennon. And so we'll be what we're trying to figure out right now is we're trying to figure out how exactly we're going to do that. I think we're going to do uh, like a read uh, of some sort on the show for the people who have kind of you know donated for the year, kind of thing, and then. Uh, the other people who have kind of donated smaller amounts, whatever, we'll, we'll give them shout outs on each episode. But in any yeah. case, thank you everyone so much for doing that. And uh, yeah. we'll quit talking about that now. So we appreciate you all. Yeah. Anyway, hey, uh, I know you guys don't have Thanksgiving uh, in Australia as such, or do no. you? Well, not, not at all. No, no. we have nothing okay. to be thankful for here. We leave yeah. that all till Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask how your Thanksgiving went, but you don't, you don't do that. So I mean, you know, it was fine. How was, how was your Thanksgiving? You went and uh, hung out with the in-laws? Yes, we did. We went to Ohio, so that was really fun. Um, we left early and beat the traffic, so that was great. Uh, we had Thanksgiving, Christmas, and my eight-year-old's birthday party all at the same time, so that was pretty fun. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was wild. It was wild. It was a really good time, though. He got crazy spoiled, man, because he had like Christmas presents and birthday presents and got to hang out with all his cousins, and we went to see some movies. It was it was good times. So Nice. What'd you, yeah, what'd you go and really see? Fun. Uh, saw the new Grinch movie. Oh, it yeah. was really super really solid. Good. Nice. Dude, I hate to admit this. No, I'm not going to admit it. Don't be a it Grinch. Was, huh? Don't be a Grinch. I'm not a Grinch. No, I'm the opposite of a Grinch. I'm like, I'm the most, I don't know, movies do something to me. So like, literally, this is this is embarrassing, right? I teared up watching the new Grinch. There are certain okay. points. It was so good. Oh my gosh. It was so good. It was really good. I think movie. it's a parenting. I think it's having oh children that does that. Because since Eli's born, there are movies that I watch now and TV shows that I watch now. And you just, you, it just happens. It comes in this way oh, and you're weird. stuck with it. Dude, I'm so glad to hear I'm not alone in this. Like that there's something to it. Like it must be the child thing. Like mm-hmm. I've actually always been a little bit like easily, like easy to get like emotional like that. I think yeah. I get it from my mom, but uh <laughs> but yeah, no, since having kids, it's like times 10, right? Times 10. It's weird. So, but no, it was super good. I really, really enjoyed it. So we'll definitely be buying that. Um, I also got a Nintendo Switch, which nice. is cool. You finally got on board. I finally nice. got one. Yep. Finally got one. So I got Rocket League, which I really suck at right now. <laughs> and uh, Mario Kart, which is like my jam. I love Mario Kart. So nice. I always, it's like my favorite, you know, game on any Nintendo platform is yeah. Mario Kart. It's so fun. So yeah, Re Re's been playing the new Pikachu. No, not Pikachu. The new Pokemon <gasps> yeah. game that came out last week. She she got the the EV edition. So there's two editions. There's the Pikachu mm-hmm. and there's the EV mm-hmm. edition. She got the EV edition. Yeah. And then within like the first five minutes, she caught a Pikachu. So she's got both the Pokemon now. Anyway, which works out well for her. Um, oh, that's cool. We played like you can play two player, but if you're player two, you kind of just tag along and can't really do anything constructive until battles so you just like sit there and the camera follows player one so i like look down and i've looked up and and she's disappeared i'm like i don't know where you where i am in relation to where you are right now so that that was a short-lived adventure but uh she's been playing that when she's had time amongst looking after our terrorist child by herself (laughs) largely for the last little while yeah so here's what why don't we do this here's what i'm going to say We've uh we've talked about sponsorship stuff already. We've talked about kind of regular stuff. 
I think what we should do is because, and, and here's why is it's 11, 12. I'm leaving tomorrow morning to head to Arizona. And so if I don't get into the meat and potatoes of this thing pretty quick, I'm going to be up too late and then I'm going to be a grumpy man tomorrow. Potatoes going to potate. Potatoes going to potate. So uh, what have you been working on, my man? What have you been uh, struggling with lately? I know that you've had some goofy test issues with validation that you were talking about. Uh, you've had some fun. Did you have like a server blow up on you or something like that? Or you, again, I know you were dealing with some uh, server issues yeah. where you had one that was just really causing some, I had some serious bottlenecks, right? Have, uh, yeah. have you had a chance to deal with any of that? Yeah, we've spun up a new server and started moving services over to it. We haven't moved our main application yet, but it this has given us the opportunity to move to a more sort of modern standardized Nginx FPM PHP 7.2 environment. So we're catching up to the latest and greatest PHP just as the next version of PHP is due to come out in a little while here, next couple of weeks or so at the time of this recording. So yeah, that's, that's all going pretty well. I had, I had deployed our main application to that server in preparation to like do the DNS switch and all of that stuff. And I had set up the supervisor configuration for the horizon workers, but I didn't, I didn't think I had activated it, but it started at some point and started processing some jobs from the (laughs) the current production environment. So we had some weird things happening over that little period of time. So that that luckily didn't last very long. Um, We picked that up yesterday. I think it was probably just a few hours, but enough to to cause some issues. Quick quick story on that. I uh, had one time, I had a queue worker that was out there running for a production environment sort of thing. And then I was on my local and I was testing some stuff and couldn't figure out why I couldn't see any of the jobs that I was <laughs> running. Like I was like, what's going on? Well, yeah, I was actually pushing them to production and I, you know, I, I was able to like, if I ran like 10 at a time, I would be able to pick up a couple of them locally or whatever, but the rest of them were running on production. Yeah. And yep. I realized that I had pulled down, I, I didn't have any like checks in place to make sure that I hadn't run a transaction previously on mm-hmm. this one, like, donation because it was a donation thing and so over the course of about 10 minutes i took someone's very Mm -hmm. generous five thousand dollar donation and charged a fifty thousand dollar donation before it put a stop on their card yikes and that was not a fun phone call (laughs) yeah and so all of a sudden like i hear from the other room like um one of the other developers is like hey jake i'm like yeah he's like are you running some tests or something i'm like (laughs) yeah he's like are you doing like donation stuff i'm like yes he's like okay (laughs) can you stop doing that please like our stripe account just flagged a bunch of transactions as like fraudulent and i'm like oh "Oh my gosh how many did it run he's like it got 10 in before it stopped it so we're at fifty thousand dollars i'm like oh my gosh yeah, that was bad. That's the same yeah. situation where you have like, oh, it's like picking up cues from like another spot. That's not good. Let's yeah. not do that. Yeah, no fun. Yeah. Luckily, I mean, luckily we don't have any issues too badly like that. Nothing that's going from like test to production. Although we had some Slack notifications pepper our Slack account the other day because <laughs> I didn't disable them. So Laravel actually gives you a nice little test helper called without notifications, I think. Oh, really? And so that way you can still 
fire and test your events that, sure, sure. that your notifiables do, but you don't actually send the notifications, yeah. which is very helpful. So that way I didn't have to worry about refactoring the tests or doing anything around checking that the notifications were being sent and, and flagging events and things like that. Yep. Okay. So speaking of this, so I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, not really drama. It's just um, working through this. So, you know, I have uh, my other developer that I work with and we have different bents, if you will, right? So my bent is very much to say like, hey, you know what? Let's do everything the Laravel way. Yep. And that's fine, right? That's fine. Mm-hmm. And he's, so I'm more like a framework dependence. I'm like, you know, like I'm okay with like, I, I've bought into it, right? I'm totally fine with Laravel, use all the tools, use and abuse, let's make it happen, right? And he's more like framework independence. Like he's kind of on the other side. So like if yeah. he has the option to like use a class that like Laravel provides or kind of make his own, like he's very yeah, much like, he's hey, making I'll kind of like make my own. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. Like that really is fine. Like it's not the end of the world. But like the other day where I would have used a job, he decided to make a class that had a constructor and then had an execute method. Right. Who cares? Who cares? Right. Doesn't matter. But when you said without notifications, like that was like a perfect reminder of like, yes, this is why a lot of times this is why I love using the stuff that's built in is because like the whole framework is just like it all works together. So like, Mm. for example, that job or that class was being dispatched from within a controller. No big deal. You can write your own class. That's fine. But now you don't have the ability to say expects a job and then pass the name of the class in and just then go test that job in isolation. Now, every time you hit that controller, you're actually going to execute that that class, yeah. right? Yeah. So like, I think those are the little things that I'm really like, that's why I typically will go with, hey, this is a solution that Laravel provides. If it's really, really close to like what I need, I'll, I'll just use that thing. Make There are some things yeah. that Laravel doesn't provide solutions for maybe, but the vast majority of things, I'd say probably 85 to 90% of the things that I need, Laravel already has a solution for. And yeah. they also have great testing around those things, right? Yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of like my, I'm trying to, you know, I, at the moment when I was, when we were talking about it, I didn't really have a justification for why I felt like it should be a job. Mm. Because it didn't really matter. It wasn't needing to be queued. It was like executed immediately. But yeah. But the know, thing is, a- if you use a job, it means that if you do later need to queue it, you just add the interface and then it's queued. So, exactly. Exactly. And, and I think, and there's, the, I mean, the, the argument is that you're coupling yourself to the framework. But realistically, how, how likely are you to leave one framework to just pick everything up and move to another framework or move to another environment? And I think that that's usually what it comes down to. Like I try, in, in my team, I'm the same. Like we try and do things the Laravel way as much as possible, mostly for two reasons. Number one, if you're picking up between projects, if they're all Laravel projects and they're all in the same app namespace and they're all following the framework conventions, then you don't have the cogn- cognitive overhead of having to think, where am I at? Exactly. How is how how are we doing things in this application compared to the application I was working on this morning, or you know whatever else? the The second thing is that it makes it much easier to bring on another developer. Correct. If you say, I need someone with Laravel experience, and you drop them into a a vanilla Laravel application where you're following a general set of conventions that the Laravel community as a whole has adopted and uses, 
then you can hire anyone. And and in your case, you know, you're you're looking to hire someone now and you and you said on Twitter yesterday that you your company has agreed to look remotely. It means that you've got access instead of to just the handful of developers in normal or in, you know, the greater Chicago area where you can look at, you know, someone that's on the West Coast or you can, I mean, you might want to stay closer to your own time zone. So you might look at someone nearer to you, but it means that any Laravel developer that knows of you, that follows the, you know, that's bought into the the conventions and the ideas that, that most of us do tend to follow, it makes narrowing it down much easier. Absolutely. No, I totally, I totally agree. It's, um, so th- those are the two main things. It's kind of like it's, a, there's implicit knowledge that's imparted just by looking at the top of the class and seeing if exactly. this extends a job like, Oh, okay. Well, I know I already know like 50% of what that does. Like I can look at it and see that it has a trait that says like serializes models. Oh, perfect. Oh, great. That's, that's helpful to know. Like, I know that that's going to grab that off the database, you know, and grab the most recent version of it when it actually needs to go get executed. I can add should queue on it. I know that I'm going to always call the handle method for sure. I know that like, that's, what's going to get called. You know, there's just this all this stuff that doesn't need to be explained and that I don't necessarily have to write documentation for because there's already a documentation, you know, out there for it, right? If you want to know what that is, yeah, just go look exactly. it up in Laravel documentation yep. and you can learn all about it. So yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. And so, you know, I think the other thing is like, I was watching that one movie, it's called, um, I don't remember what it's called. It's like <laughs> about Ray Kroc and like the McDonald's empire, whatever, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, another one. The founder. A, yeah, the founder. Yeah, there was a very, very specific way in which they set up all their kitchens, right? That allowed them to be extremely efficient and allowed them to create a hamburger in some ridiculously short amount of time, right? And that was like the innovation that allowed them to kind of bypass all these other restaurants who couldn't do fast food, right? They were very meticulous about making sure that all the restaurants had the exact same system. So it allowed them to do things efficiently and it also allowed people to move between restaurants and know exactly what it was going to look like. You have the same uh, sort of setup like in the military, like there's these, you know, these camps that all kind of look the exact same, like they're, you know, you go from one base to another base, they're going to have the same layout, they're going to have the same sort of items in the same places so that it really reduces the amount of time that you need to familiarize yourself because they all look the same. It's the exact same idea. Uh, If you create your own organization system for each application, it's just going to be a heck of a time trying to move between even your own applications. You're just going to have a different opinion on each one. Whereas if you just kind of stick to the Laravel way, it's going to, you know, it's going to tie you to the framework. Yes. But like, again, like you said, you're going to have, you're going to have to move everything, you know, it, there's never going to be like a, oh, I'll just switch frameworks and, and no big deal, yeah, right? You're always going exactly. to have to... You're not going to go from Laravel to CodeIgniter to Symfony without some degree of pain mm-hmm. and adopting, you know, the intricacies of each of those environments if you move between them. So yeah. it, it just makes it easier, especially now, you know, when I started, it was me and one other developer. Now it's me and four other developers. And if we're all writing our Laravel and our view and know all of that kind of stuff in a similar way it means all we need to do is pick up the specifics of each project and then you can dive in and start helping out if you need to without having to worry about what decisions about design and and you know even directory structures and things like that between apps because they're all the same so yep i think you know we're coming around on that and we're and we're getting closer and closer to a more complete laravel setup than what we've got now which is still kind of the frankenstein with the legacy stuff being served through a a laravel front controller so the 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 newest of our developers actually is 
is quite keen on going through all of the legacy stuff and rewriting it, which uh, I've I've been happy to let him do because I was dreading the task, but he seems to be relishing. Yeah, the, some people the job, like that. So, some people yeah. like that. Yeah, but I'm it's good because he can but... work on that when he's got a bit of downtime. But if there's yeah. a specific task, you know, that we need him to do for a business requirement, then he'll drop that and he'll and he'll go on on work on that. I mean, the, the issue, the biggest issue with that is that we've got some stuff that's like in a state of being half rewritten, and some of the stuff that, like, if you have to go and revisit it for some business need, then you've got like you have to basically reconcile the two once you start merging those things back together, so you don't like blow away any of the functionality that that you've created as a business need when yeah. you start merging the Laravel specific stuff back in there. But, you know, we're managing it pretty well. And uh, yeah, that's, that's been nice to, to just give one developer that task and he, and he just sits and kind works on it. that. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Um, so what else? Okay. So uh, I've been working on this side project for a while, getting close to launching it. Yeah. Very so, close from what we've seen on Twitter. Yeah, so really like the portion that I'm trying to launch and like I've tried to explain it to the stakeholders that I'm dealing with like why why it takes so long to get to this point. And really I feel like what I'm creating right now and Adam Wathen had to talk about this a couple of years ago where he was talking about like he he basically started with like hey, what's the first test you should write? And the first test he would he wrote was like something like slice through all of the layers of the application. Right. So it's like, what's the primary thing that like this application is going to be responsible for? And like, okay, let's go to that thing. Right. So instead of like, hey, a user can register, it was more like, hey, a user can create a tweet. Right. If you're creating Twitter kind of thing, like that's Mm -hmm. the primary thing you're going to do. And so with this application, it's like, hey, a user can apply for a trip. Right. That is the thing. But everything is built around that. So like, every step of that testing that you're creating is like you are literally building the entire application by accomplishing that one thing. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's like in order to have an application, I have to have a trip. In order to have a um, trip, I have to have rooming options for that trip. I have to have uh, ministry tracks for that trip. There's going to be multiple trips and each trip needs to have their own. Um, And then in order to have somebody who can apply for that trip, I have to have a user, but then I also have to have a participant that that user manages. And then when they apply for that trip, they have to be able to make a payment. And then I need to have a ledger for the application. And then they need to be able to accept donations. And that also needs to affect the ledger. So like all of these domain pieces literally all have to be developed before I can have one person apply for one trip. So it's like the first thing that I'm delivering which is like launching on December 1st. They're like, hey, we want people to be able to register December 1st for a trip. Sounds like, oh yeah, that seems pretty simple, right? Like that's all you need to do. Yes, that's all you need to do, but the entire application has to be built before you can do that. So it's like, even though for them, they're not gonna see the interface, the user interface for all of those pieces right away, they're all built. So that's why it's like I've been really cranking on this thing to get this because uh, it's all there now. And now what I'll do is like on December 1st, I'm just going to launch like a MVP version of it that allows a user to register uh, into the system and then apply for a trip and then make their first down payment. And then that's it. Like that's what it will do on December 1st. It gets them that pre-registration sort of like early bird registration. And then I'll start building up the UI around the rest of the domain pieces. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've got. So the, you're the, using Nova for like <clears throat> the administration side of things. So that, like, do you anticipate that to be a pretty quick process? Seeing as yeah. you've got all of that functionality there, like, 
what uh, what are the, what are what are your stakeholders kind of expecting the turnaround then from the launch of the MVP on the first of December to when they can start seeing the registrations? I told them January fifteenth. So okay. like I gave so you're myself, yourself like a, a bit of time. Like yeah, exactly. I, I especially with like Christmas and New Year and all that right, stuff. Right, right. So I I basically was like, okay, I would rather overestimate and deliver early than mm-hmm. than give myself a shorter timeline. Yeah. So under promise and over deliver. Yeah, and I and I told him when we first started the project, I was like, it's going to be really tight to get it out by December first. So, you know, I'm going to make it happen, but it's going to be a, a, a minimum sort of thing. And honestly, like the thing is like, I guarantee it's not like there's people like sitting there waiting at their computer, like, okay, just wait for registration yeah. to open. I can't wait. Like, no, I guarantee nobody's going to register on December 1st. Nobody cares that much. No, I mean, December um, 1st is a Saturday anyway. So who's... Yeah, exactly. Like, so it doesn't... Yeah, I mean, they're probably not even going to do their marketing until the following Monday anyway. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a garbage ton of stuff. It's, yeah. it's been it's been cool just from what you've been sharing you know on telegram and what we've spoken about on on the last episode of well the last couple of episodes i suppose of the podcast and what mm-hmm. you've been sharing on twitter the the ui that you've put together is super super polished um, oh thanks man and you've done i mean apart from those floating labels that i'm not sure i think because you've got them like top line or something <laughs> like that and, and floating i don't even labels i'm not sure if i have floating labels so that that screenshot you did, you that you shared, you, yeah, you mentioned that, and I'm not sure what that meant. I wasn't positive what you meant by that. So you've got like the label on the left, and then on mm-hmm. the right you had billing information. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, and, the, yeah, yeah. and the billing information was like top aligned, but the font yes. was smaller, so it looked yes. like it was superscripted. But I don't know if having it baselined or if you had it like mm. I, I don't know, you know what what approach looks better. So. And like you might not change anything. One thing I did notice though in the in the subsequent gift that you posted was that when you process the payment and all of the form disappears, the billing yes. information label remained there. I did notice that as well. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, it's like I'm trying to it's because that is outside of the um of the form. And so like I said like mm-hmm. hey, like form class, go ahead and set opacity to 0. And the reason I said opacity to zero instead of like just removing it from the DOM is because like then the then the um, the panel collapses and then I have mm-hmm. to set like a static height on it and it's like it's, it wasn't good. So the animation I just made is it, very nice. I just made it invisible instead. Did you and, just use uh, the baked in view transitions for that? Um, so actually, yes. For the, yes, well, let me think about that. I've been using view transitions a lot. In any spot that I can, because it's so slick, it makes it yeah. so simple. You just yeah. wrap wrap anything you want in a transition component. Say name equals fade, mode equals out in, and then you just chuck a couple different items in there and put VF on them. And then mm-hmm. you know, as long as you're only showing one at a time, it just smoothly you know takes one out and puts the next one in. And yeah, it's without beautiful. a jump. Super super easy. Yeah. yeah, and so I do that for everything. Like if I have a conditional input item that is only going to be available if they click a certain item. I I put that in a transition thing and then just VF it. And mm-hmm. as soon as I say like, you know, I'll say like if if we are booking your travel, right? So if booking travel was true or whatever, yeah. um, then and as soon as that happens, then it just v, it just transitions it in. And as soon as they click it off, it transitions it out. Oh, it's so sweet. Like th- that stuff. Yeah. You remember how difficult that crap used to be? Yeah. With, when you oh. used to have to do it with jQuery and you had to toggle, you had to do the slide toggle and 
if you use yeah. the wrong thing, it would like jump, especially if you had like, if you were transitioning one out and one in, you had to yep. slide one up and slide one down so that now they- Now it just yeah. does that for you. It's amazing. Yeah. It's nice. And, so, and this yeah. is like Laravel is it, it, same as like the Laravel philosophy where it's trying to like make those decisions for you and be yep. opinionated about it because this is what looks good or this is what works well or this is what works best in most cases. And so you can just use the defaults a lot of the time without having to reach to to do anything manually. And if you want something that's slightly different, well, you can tap into the underlying functionality to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it's also been a good experience for me with Vuex. So like that was something I was always really afraid of before. And um, David Hemphill uh, was my guide through that. He gave me a lot of advice and, and helped me figure that out. And so that's been really cool. So kind of, I know it's like a tool in my tool belt now. So like, I definitely don't always use it. It's helpful when I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's like one of those things that I can use if I have like a multi-step sort of form where I need to kind of manage the state at the more global level, but I still use component state like on a very regular basis. Yeah. Um, so that's been cool. Uh, I used X state which is something that we've talked about before, but like I never really actually used. So I actually mm-hmm. used it this time and it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So like you can have, like, I love it because you can see all of the transitions like between states. So you have like, here's this state and then here's the different places that I can go from here. And, and you have that all kind of listed out in an object. And then it actually has a visualizer as well. So you can take that little, that little state map that you've created and paste it into their visualizer. And it will show you a chart showing mm. you all of the different states that you can get to and how you get there. That's and it's got, cool. it's got a million tools that I haven't even used. So it's got like timer functions and stuff. So you can say it should be on this state for 10 seconds and then it will automatically transition to another, uh, to another state. Um, mm. It's it's pretty legit, man. Yeah, it's, it's pretty legit. Again, all of these things that are just there to like abstract all that stuff. Like one one thing that I came across the other day was a project called FilePond. Have you have you heard of this? It's file like a pond. file pond. Yeah, it's a it's a JavaScript file upload utility. Ooh, I think I have heard of it actually. Now that you say um, that, yeah. So it's it's just written in vanilla JS, but it's got React and Vue and whatever else components that that leverage it. But it handles all of that yucky stuff like dragging and dropping and previews and it allows you to do some image optimization so to actually do the optimization of images on the client side before uploading them so that you you know you're already getting uh, an optimized image as soon as it hits your server so you know you minimize actually having to do any of that stuff but the reason that i came across file pond was because they've just released a new paid uh plugin called docker or Docker. Geez, it's it's bad that I don't know what it's called, but it's basically an in-browser image manipulation tool. So you can okay. do cropping oh, and resizing, cool. and and you can flip images horizontally and you know on the axis, and, yeah, yeah, and do like all that kind of stuff in the browser. Mm-hmm. So that you know, if if that's the kind of thing you do. But I I'm really keen on just using FilePond because we're using or we were using a tool called Fine Uploader in our CRM, and I was doing a deployment last week, and Everything was fine. All the tests had passed. I pushed the code into GitLab and suddenly all the tests started failing and it couldn't install dependencies. And I thought, yeah, you know, sure. that's, a bit, that's a bit strange. And I, you know, went in there and and like I couldn't see anything obvious. I thought, you know, sometimes GitHub just doesn't respond to a thing. You just try it again and everyone was consistently failing. So I, I ended up like blowing away my vendor directory locally and trying to do a composer install and I started hitting the same issues. And I realized... 
at that point that the and I've I've since spoken to the the maintainer of this project. So don't take this as uh, I'm not taking shots at this this person. They they were well within their rights. They didn't quite understand because they were a, a predominantly JavaScript, and they didn't realize that when you remove something from Packagist, it like the Packagist doesn't maintain a copy okay. of the yeah, yeah. of the of the zip. So they'd marked it as abandoned in Packagist, and they had just removed the repository. Like they deleted the repository from GitHub because there was some critical in its default state. There was a critical security vulnerability, and because they weren't a PHP developer, and they didn't have anyone that wanted to to take on the maintenance. This, you know, the package just went away. So, sure, yeah, um, that broke some stuff. So we had to like, and and because it was gone, I couldn't fork it for our own reason. I had to like grab the stuff out of our local vendor directory and then create like another repository and and do a composer like a Git Git repository yeah, or a Git right, yeah you know package just so that we can because you know we're we're relying on it in our CRM. Yes. So if if you're looking for a file upload front end then uh, definitely check out FilePond. We'll put uh, some links in the show notes for that and the other project once I remember what it's called. Okay. But, Dude, uh, this FilePond looks incredible. Right. I'm actually going to definitely use this because this FilePond looks really awesome because we have a project that I have an old project out there. So it's actually not an old project. It's a Laravel project. It's on 5.1. But our uploader that we were using was like jQuery Blue Imp is what it was called. It was like a multi-file <laughs> uploader and it worked great for when we needed it. But yeah. I mean, it's just garbage now. And this yeah. thing looks freaking incredible. This file pond looks exactly like what I need. And it was, mm-hmm. this would be the, the thing that would make uh, migrating that from off of that server that it's on onto a new server way easier because that 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 uploader was the biggest holdover that was yeah. causing me issues so this looks pretty incredible uh, i think yeah. i'm going to definitely use this and i mean this has some basic manipulation manipulations as well so it'll do some some things uh, in terms of upload the one thing that it doesn't do that we kind of were after is chunk uploading but I think that... It looks like it's on the roadmap, though. Yeah, it's on the roadmap. So, you know, it will happen when it happens. But because it does the optimization of the images on the client side, it's going to bring the image size down anyway. So we're not going to have to worry about that in the shorter term. But it's something that definitely we want to look at. You know, at least replacing this now, like, gone, unsupported. And we're not too worried about security because it's internal only. But, you know, it's something that we want to replace you know as soon as possible i suppose yeah yeah i think i would need grid or i think i would need a uh, chunk uploading as well because like our mm-hmm. clients are uploading some pretty big files yeah you know like it's like some hundred megabyte stuff i'd be interested to see i don't really have any of the need for the different like masking or rotation flipping editor sure. stuff it's just pdfs and stuff that they're yeah, uploading. i mean it's configurable so you can really do whatever you need um, you know, just turn off the stuff you're not using. You don't have to include the image editor and the rotation and, and things like that. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, super slick, super lightweight. Yeah. I'm going to use it. Um, no, thanks for the heads up on this. This is pretty cool. Um, so that reminds me of something that I just used to today. Uh, so I was working on this side project, of course. And like one of the things I'm like down to the wire and I'm like, geez, like how am I going to handle avatars, right? Like these user avatars, like this is mm-hmm. always a pain in the butt. Like how am I going to do this, right? Uh, I just decided that I wasn't going to do avatars as like images. I was just going to do a colored background circle with like the letters of their name. 
right? So like yeah. JB, whatever. Um, the other thing that I did as well is I made sure that like whenever I have a new user signing up, I'm not doing first name, last name anymore. I'm just doing name, but I'm requiring a full name. So like my, my um, regex that's there requires that they have like a name, space, last name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so that I have, I, I can make sure that I have both of them. And so then what it does is it generates this avatar. So I'm not sure if you've ever used this package before. It's called Laravolt. I've, I've heard about it. I think we've spoken about it on the Laravel on News the, podcast. We before. have spoken about it on the podcast, the Laravel News podcast. So <clears throat> what you can do is you can basically say, all right, avatar, I want it to be a circle. I want it to be 80 by 80. I want it to be generated for this name. And you can just pass in a name and it will automatically pull off the initials that it needs. And then I want you to give me an SVG. Just give me the rent, like give me what it would look like as an SVG. Just spit it out for me. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. the, the code to embed SVG. And so it just like gives you the SVG code. I mean, it's incredible. So literally all I have to do now is I have a avatar or a get avatar attribute. And then I just say, you know, I, what I do is I say cash remember for 24 hours and then I say avatar, you know, make a SVG. And then all I have to do to get the avatar on the page is I just say user avatar. And then I just do that in the um, raw HTML brackets, you know, like bracket exclamation point, exclamation point. Or if you're real IT nerd, ex, uh, bracket bang, bang, right? Yeah. And then um, user avatar. And it just spits out the SVG for me in line right there which is incredible. So I don't have to have any uploader or anything. I don't have to like, I don't even have to persist it to a file system. You know, that's the yeah. beauty of it for me is like when I, because that was, that was what I was worried about. I was like, okay, when I create a new user, I'm going to have to check to see if the avatar already exists. And if it does exist, then I have to leave it alone. And if it doesn't, then I have to generate it and save it in a storage folder. And then I have to make sure that I sim link the storage folder up when I do my deployments and all that crap. And I'm like, this is so much easier. Yeah. I literally just have an attribute like a, uh, one of those, a getter, on on the model generate mm -hmm. the svg and then dump it out into the page it works yeah. beautifully it's much easier and it's it's nicer i think like gravatar is good but most people don't use gravatar so you're just going to get the generic circle with the you know the silhouette yeah. users so laravel is nicer because it gives you initials it's a bit more personable it's a bit you know it's more specific to each individual so yeah, it's a bit nicer Definitely worth yeah. checking out if, if you want to have like default user avatars in your application and, and Gravatar is not suitable for your needs. Yeah. And I think I, I think I really actually want to write a blog post up on this because now that I've done this, I mean, this makes so much sense for a lot of the places that I'm using this. The, I, I think the, the fact that you can render out because I rendered out a JPEG and it looked like crap. Yeah. Um, and you still had to do all the rounded like, you know stuff on it and it just it had like pixels around the outside of it it wasn't it mm -hmm. didn't work very yeah. well and so being able to have this just was was really nice and i guess you know what the other thing you can do is like if you use a jpeg and use a base 64 image you can just have it output a base 64 image so it's yeah. basically the same thing right you just include it as the src like the source of the image instead of as, as embedding an svg svg mm -hmm. is going to be lighter weight for sure but I think you could do the JPEG as well. Here's the, here's the trade-off. With the SVG, it, it doesn't scale, right? Yeah. So you have to know like the size that you need it at. So I really only yeah. have two sizes. I have a really tiny size in the top right corner where like it has their name and then they can click on it to like log out or whatever. And mm -hmm. then I have another spot where it has like their large avatar. 
So I just generate two different SVG sizes and I pick which one I want based on the context. But if I did it as a JPEG, I could just generate the larger one and then based on where it's at, it'll automatically scale, right? So you can do that with SVGs, but it's a little more difficult and you actually have to be able to put like a view box on the SVG. So I'd have to modify the library, which I wasn't willing to do. No. So, so that's the trade-off. I suppose if you wanted to do it as a, as a uh, 64-bit image, you could, you could do the auto sizing. You could get that. Um, so I want to write up a blog post on it because I think it's really quite useful. Nice. Yeah. 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 So anyway, well, Hey man, um, let's see what else you got going on. And then I have got to go because I just got a message from the wife and she's like, Hey, um, you're waking everybody up. So (laughs) (laughs) I think that was Lindy's fault, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up then. I had two things. Wilbur mentioned it in, in the chat a little while ago with, with horizon. I had, a real dickens of a time with Horizon yesterday. I was sending like the Horizon pause and and terminate commands to my, well, you know, in my application so that when I deployed code, it would restart the worker to pick up the new code because we're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, zero downtime deploys now. So when the symlink changes, obviously you need to restart the workers to pick that up and nothing, like it wasn't working. It took me a little while to realize it, but sending it did nothing. And I don't have the luxury of using a Forge provision server, so everything's running as different users, obviously. And so I had to... I didn't want to give no password sudo privileges to everything. I didn't yeah. want to say that, like, my deploy user can just willy-nilly run sudo without a password. So right. figuring out how to lock that down so I could run the Artisan Horizon Terminate as the user that was running Horizon was interesting. was fun. And then passing, like, environment variables in and things like that. But... An issue that that I had like a while ago and it's long since solved, if you're using one Redis server for multiple applications, there is a horizon underscore prefix environment variable that you can put into, uh, that you put into your environment file. And um, if you prefix it with like your application name or something that, that is unique to the application, it means that it will prefix all of the jobs so that you don't have like that way you can keep using the default queue for all of your apps, which means that three different apps can all have a queue called default, but because they're prefixed with like app one, app two, app three, each app will only pick up its own jobs. You don't have to yeah. worry about a, a worker getting to a job from a different application and then not knowing what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's super handy. So do you um, have to pass that in when you're running the Horizon Worker? Do you have no. to like when you're no? It just knows. It's just in your Horizon config. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it reads it out of the configuration and, and handles that for you. So that makes things much easier. So you um, can use one single. You can use one Redis server and have multiple yep. apps pushing yeah, we the Horizon have one, queues to there. One Redis server, like it's just Redis on its own server, and then we've got four or five or six different apps from different servers all pushing their jobs onto the same Redis server and then pulling you them off prefix, the same server. Yeah. yeah. So that was very helpful, um, something to be mindful of. But I was like pulling my hair out trying to figure out why this stupid thing wasn't restarting. So yeah, if you are same problem, not using Forge, then that is something to consider. The other thing that a few people have asked me about on Twitter and, and on the chat here now is how my recovery is going with, with my knee. And so I figured it'd be easy just to update here rather than replying to everyone separately. I went and saw the surgeon on Monday 
and he said everything's fine like he didn't even didn't even really look at my knee because they test it while you're under general anesthetic they like mash it around and bend it and twist it and make sure it's all solid but he said yeah it's all fine the only reason that i was waiting two weeks was basically because i had shaved the way that he explained it to me is like you know you've got an orange and an orange is orange on the outside and then you've got the pith underneath he said with my uh, with the cartilage, I had basically shaved the orange bit off, like the rind off, um, and I was just left with that white pith. So because of the surgery I had to have to, to get that to recover, that's why I had to be off off my feet. But he was happy for me to, um, you know, start the next phase of recovery. He said I can start driving again, start, you know, easing off my crutches. Uh, the physio was happy as well when I went and saw him the next day. It was, you know, my... Uh, my flexion in my knee and my extension in my knee have improved since I saw him two weeks ago. So I've got a bit of work to do just to get that to an acceptable level. Basically, I have to be able to straighten my leg again before we can start doing any full weight bearing and that kind of stuff. The, yeah, the yeah. atrophy in the quad and the and the hamstring is... fast that happens? It's crazy. And it's like a toothpick compared to my other leg. And I'm like, yep. I don't think my leg has ever, ever, ever been this thin before. So They say it's a bit your legs atrophy the fastest. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to take me a while to get back my strength for deadlifts and squats. But uh, we'll probably start that in the new year. So at the moment, the focus is just on getting the extension, the full full range of extension back. But I am now allowed to walk around the house without my crutches just to start getting the strength back and he and the, and the physio says to me just just walk normally like just just uh, <laughs> i haven't walked normally for about two months yeah, since i've done the injury exactly. so it's like and and because it's not it's no longer painful but it is it Awkward, doesn't feel probably. right yeah so yeah. You, you instinctively go oh it doesn't go any further and so you 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 yeah. subconsciously stop yourself from doing that so right you don't want to matter injure of, it right that's the thing that's yeah. in your head is you're like oh i'm afraid yeah. i'm just gonna like mess it up again but the surgeon and the physio both assure me that you know assuming i don't go out and start running or playing basketball in the next you know three two years. three months whatever <laughs> yeah i mean i'm never gonna play again Forever. not not socially like i might go out to a a court and and get some shots up but i'm, I'm not gonna play you know, right. socially or competitively right, right. or anything like that. You know, as long as I don't do that, then then it'll be fine. So it's just it's just a tedious process, but it's nice to be able to like walk around and I can start helping re out again a little bit. I mean, I'm still not in a in a position where I can carry Eli, but I can pick him up and like put him on his change table and things like that. That's no big deal. But I don't want to walk around with him just in case like, you know, for whatever reason it locks up or I yeah. I turn too quickly and yeah. it and it buckles or whatever. So yeah, I mean, overall, the it's going well. Um, it's going really well considering the injury and the and the surgery and that. So I'm really thankful for my surgeon and and the physio that I've got is is really good. He's a he's an NBA fan, so we spent the nice. the session on Tuesday while he was pummeling my my poor leg talking about the NBA. He says to me, "Are you a Laker fan or are you a LeBron fan?" I'm like, "I've been a Laker fan since the early 2000s. Since right. you know, I was old right, enough right. to." Yeah, you're not one of these bandwagon yeah. guys that jumped on no. once LeBron came over. Yeah, sure. No. But I'm happy he's here. So yeah, exactly, exactly. I wish I knew more about that. I was uh, <laughs> I was watching a Michigan Ohio State game 
uh, which is like a big rivalry over here, a big football game, which uh-huh. Michigan should have won, but they got absolutely destroyed. I'm from <laughs> Michigan. My wife's from Ohio. So it was like I was with a, I was in a house full of Ohio State fans and was like so confident that Michigan was going to win and then they got crushed. It was bad. So th- it was really bad. This is why you're going to Phoenix this, this week and, uh, and not to Ohio or Michigan. What's that now? That this again? is why you're going to Phoenix and not Ohio <laughs> exactly. or, or Michigan. You exactly, got to go to neutral but, territory. Uh, they, they of course like do like the pregame where they're showing all the signs that people have made. You know what I mean in the mm-hmm, background mm-hmm. behind the announcers. Yeah. And one of the signs said, "Ohio sucks so bad. LeBron left twice." <laughs> it's like it's pretty. That's funny. good. I like that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was good. So I, uh, I was disappointed that Michigan didn't win, but hey, there's oh. always next year. They'll lose next year again, probably, but anyway. Yeah. Well, hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, you can find show notes for it at northmeetsouth.audio slash 51. Uh, always love to hear feedback from everyone. And it was pretty cool doing this live chat today. So we might have to try that again in the near future. But if you have any other questions or comments, you can feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bunnett, or at North South Audio. And uh, of course, if you like this show, feel free to rate it up in your podcatcher of choice five stars thanks so much for uh or to our donors andrea subenthal jp davy uh rasmus nielsen and joe lennon we love you all thank you for supporting the podcast really really appreciate it and for everybody who joined us in the live chat today that was really fun hey what about that sweet sweet spindrift oh yeah spindrift so spindrift said that they were going to donate five cases of spindrift all we have to do is put out a tweet this week and then whoever retweets it will be entered in a chance to um to win a a free case so yeah so we'll put that tweet out there and anybody who gets a chance to retweet that will be entered in the drawing so spindrift is a pretty freaking sweet stuff man so you should definitely get on that nice one we'll uh we'll be sure to shout that out from the rooftops once we get this episode out absolutely Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you in two weeks. See you all. Bye.